Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about chapters 23, 24, and 25 of The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. We read them. We're going to discuss them. We're not going to discuss them before reading them, although that might be an interesting attempt at a a format. Uh, We're not that adventurous. In these chapters, Kaladin is uh, he's making some moves. He's he's uh, trying to make things happen for himself, for the crew and uh, without relying on. Well, I mean, he's got a couple friends or associates now, but I just mean without relying on the the establishment to do anything for them. And then we've got Dalinar, who is uh, who is the establishment and he's trying to get something new going and it's not going super well. And then we meet in Kaladin's past the uh, the replacement bright lord for their town and uh, that also doesn't go super well anyway i'm data and with me today is joe it's joe hey it's me i'm back it's jamie i'm still and Dak. <laughs> jamie's like haven't gone anywhere <laughs> i'm not sure who that first guy was uh you might need to repeat it a couple more times just we all get the hang uh, of it. who yeah exactly that's what i'm saying so hang on to something everybody the Sander Lanch is about to begin. So yeah, three more chapters. Once again, we've got some Bridgeman Kaladin, some young man Kaladin going on in Dalinar. I think we got a, a nice sprinkling of the, uh, even a little Adolin in there. So what did you guys think of these three chapters? Uh, you know, they were chapters. I actually, I wasn't here last week. I don't know if you guys remember that. What? So, uh, yeah, I know. And so I, I didn't read the previous section until today as well. So I read a big chunk all at once. So it's kind of blurred. It's all jumbled in my brain. But I will say... uh. Uh, the thing that I find most interesting right now is the epigraphs. But yeah, the flat. I don't know why. I mean, I, I get it. We're getting extra background story, but the flashback Kaladin stuff, I, I, like I, I'm having trouble caring about it. And the Dalinar stuff, like I feel like it's moving too slow. I, I really wish we could just focus on like current Kaladin, which I, I assume all these stories are going to collide at some point. But like, I don't know. It's it's starting to drag a little bit to me. I feel like we need mm. something something more interesting to happen in soon. To, to, to be fair, young Kaladin uh, collides with the current story somewhere in the past, I guess. Sure, sure. Unless young Kaladin is actually a separate character from older Kaladin. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a twist? What the twist? <laughs> that would be so weird, but kind of interesting. If you Imagine if you got through a whole book and then realized they were different people. <laughs> that Yeah, no, that would be a mind-bender. Yeah. I'd be so mad. <laughs> Such you spent the whole book being like, oh, I see why he's the way he is now. And then, oh, no. OK, it turns out Kaladin's just like a really common name. OK. Just putting all of this like meaning into all these things, like how many Kaladins are surgeons? Like, OK, cool. I mean, <laughs> like, technically, what, this one didn't become a surgeon. It's like, what are the odds? Yeah. They, they both it's, had it's a younger brother good. named Tien. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> his name's it's like um it's a name like Mark. No, what it is is current Kaladin is actually like he knew uh Kid Kaladin and he like Kid Kaladin died and he like stole Kid Kaladin's identity. Oh, he stole his identity. Oh shit. Yeah, it's like a Don Jeez. Draper situation. It's messed up. Yeah. Is, is is that a spoiler for that show? Because for Mad Men that came out in two thousand and five, yeah. yeah, I guess. Okay. But I, like, I've, I've ne- I never watched that show, so I was like, is is that like a spoiler, or is that something that's just known at the beginning of the show? No, it's a spoiler. But I mean, you've had enough time. Come on, <laughs> it's Seymour Skinner all over again. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Mad Men actually started in two thousand seven. That was my bad. But either way, oh jeez, can't even get your Don Drapers right. Right? Good old John Ham. It's Jamie's turn. Sorry, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was too focused on spoilers and <laughs> what would happen if Kaladin was um actually not Kaladin. Sorry, got confused. Okay, here I am. Jamie, hi. I, I'm on the Sanderlands. It's great. Still good. Okay. <laughs> Um, so these chapters, I I liked the the Kaladin flashback. I think that assuming that it's the same Kaladin, I, I I'm looking forward to seeing when it all comes together and and you know exactly what happened to how he got where he is now. But I like like all the learnings and the teachings and and the bit with his mom. You know, I I thought that was quite a good scene. I I really loved Rock. And Kaladin and um, what's his name? Starts with T. The other guy. It's Teft. 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 Um, I was was like Tien. No, no. I know that's a name, but I know it's not the right one. Yes, I I really loved hearing like Rock's story and talking about what he did to Prince Thaddeus's food. That was pretty funny. But it was nice for them to have a moment of just in this horrific environment, they were able to share and bond and. I think that was really, really good. And Dalinar, I'm worried about him. Not necessarily because of like him and his visions, but everyone else around him just seems to be a real dick about it. And I, I feel bad for him. But pretty, pretty big encounter between him and his son. So also another, another reference to Adeline's dating. <laughs> yep, the main preferences. story. Talk about it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really just like the Bachelor. For, for Adeline, this is really where this is going to go. Um, but no, I, I, I'm enjoying it. I think it's, um, you know, it's a really big book. I would feel like at this point now you'd be looking for a bit more, but I think the story is so detailed that I'm, I'm quite enjoying it. I think uh, the pace is moving all right, and, yeah, keen to keep reading. Yeah. You made a good point that uh, I'd kind of forgotten that, yes, we got Dalinar, yes, we got Adeline, but we get, like, deconfrontation between them, which since we've known them, uh, which I, that's not even that many chapters. We started uh, chapter 12. So about 10 chapters at this point that we've known them. This is like, we've been building to this kind of, I think. And so to see it kind yeah. of erupt. I, I don't think it's a surprise that we're, we've gotten there, but it's, um yeah, it was a bit of a, bit of a moment for them. It's definitely been building and I'm glad that they've, you know, everyone's got to say a few things, but I do feel bad for the Dalina. <laughs> yeah. And probably more because we've been in Dalinar's head. We saw the, the the vision or whatever and so it's harder for us to think like adolin does that it's all in his head because we've been there exactly yeah but adolin's position is really reasonable if you're in his perspective well absolutely and that's the thing like he's he's just trying to look out for him as well and 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 sort of state 
the obvious for for someone who's seeing what he's seeing. Like, you know, give Adeline a vision and maybe his perspective will change. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I get it. Like it, it's it's a bit of a hard moment really for them. We shall have to see how this relationship develops. Mm. Are they gonna are is father and son gonna turn against one another or will they come together? Who knows? I like to think they'll come together. That would be nicer. I will agree. It would yeah. be nicer. But you know, not all is rosy here, so we'll see how we go. Well, no, I mean the Kaladin chapters let you know that right up front that everything is not oh, yeah. nice in this place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep, <Yeah>, for sure. <laughs> I like rock. Rock is cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think my favorite part of these chapters was his story and uh, where he came from and putting crab shit in the food, like everywhere in the food. Like, I found that hilarious. Yep. I, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I know I know that toilet humor can, uh, is, can be fairly gross, but I believe if it's done well enough and it doesn't oversaturate whatever your whatever you know, piece of media you're consuming, it can it can be really funny. And this was a good example of that. I really liked it. Flashback was just kind of depressing. Dalinar and and, and Adolin stuff was pretty cool. I am, yeah, I don't know where that's going to go, but we'll just have to see. But yeah, I think grim things on the horizon for Dalinar, and I don't think he's got long left. So we will we will see. But yeah, on the whole, like these, I think like Joe said, these are chapters. I think things are starting to like they just feel a bit okay. We need we need to hit the gas again on on some of these stories. Mm. Um. So yeah, we'll see. I like your thought on toilet humor because I agree. It's like if you use it sparingly, which is not how uh, Rock used the Chaldung in his meal. <laughs> but if you know, if you use it here and there, and it's it's uh, not too crude, then yes, it can be it can be fun. Yeah, it can be. It is very easy to fuck up and overdo, but this yeah. was done really well. I mean, some of the things that we've had Wit say, where I'm just like, okay, that's a little bit. Yeah, uh, that's and that's a good example of going the other direction. It's like, uh, oh. Okay, we're we're just doing that now. <laughs> but then he, you know, Wit he he, he when he raises the uh, the the sophistication level of his toilet humor and he talks about biscumber or whatever, then I'm like, okay, we're now I feel like a sophisticated toilet. <laughs> no, that's not right. <laughs> I feel like a bidet. <laughs> uh, but yes, I agree with you. I think at this point, Rock is the uh, the. The bright point of the story just because it is there's a lot of uh, downer material in here and rock is uh while he is not also in a bad situation uh he g- gives us something to be amused by yeah yeah and he seems good natured about it even though his situation is awful yeah he's surprisingly upbeat given where they are yeah although it doesn't ta- stop him from like insulting everyone else and it's like ah you're all dumb they're sick lowlanders yeah just part of the charm Okay, well, I guess let's get into these three chapters. The chapter 23 is called Many Uses, which before you read it, it's like, okay, that's uh, really vague. And then after it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. But as Joe points out, the epigraphs are remaining interesting. We've uh, we've just been talking about this race guy and in the previous epigraphs and how he holds like the most hor- horrible of all the shards or whatever. And now the writer says, you've accused me of arrogance in my quest. You've accused me of perpetuating my grudge against race and Bavadin. Both accusations are true. And so not only is this race guy on uh, on the writer's shit list, but Bavadin, who we kind of know. Yeah. Yeah. The autonomy. Good old Bobbity. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? Uh, given what we know of autonomy, I'm not I'm 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 going to say that if you're going to have an enemy, that's not uh, not a bad choice. Well, I mean, yeah, guys who are jerks. 
Or, you want, if you want to stay alive, it could be a bad choice. Because uh, uh, yeah, that's fair. But I guess uh, it, like we 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 assume this is Hoyt. He's lasted this long, so that's true. Yep. Well, and if it is Hoyt, if you guys, if you guys are making the correct assumption, then we know that uh, apparently Hoyt has it out for autonomy, and maybe that makes what we saw in the Lost Metal, where he's uh, he's really helping wax out in some ways. Uh, uh, yeah, ways. that makes sense. So maybe it all fits together, or or maybe the the writer of this letter is actually you know wax or something. Who knows? I mean the. That this this book takes place before we met Wax. Like, wax, wax, is, wax hasn't been born yet. Yeah. Also, didn't we like pretty definitively say that we think this is Hoyt, right? Yeah, right? I'm pretty sure we did. Seems like it. So yes, let's. Uh, we'll. we'll so if, if you guys are all pretty certain it's Hoyt, we'll just say Hoyt for now until we learn otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I'm certain it's Hoyt. I'm certain this racy fellow is Odium. Okay. As as previously mentioned. Yeah. Where did we remind me where we heard the name Odium from again? I was in the Lost Metal at one point. Moonlight was talking to Marisai and mentioned, "Oh yeah, like there was this one shard that was called Odium, and he tried to kill all the other shards." And then, yeah, that that does sound like it might be describing this guy. Yeah, like in in one of the previous epigraphs, it was like, "Yeah, yeah, he tried to kill everyone." Like, well, that seems to line up. Yeah, he went to cell and did some bad shit. Yeah, that that does sound bad. Yeah. Took, took out Aona and Sky on Cell. I mean, how one of these shards takes out two other ones, that's a real question. But Well, I mean, I would feel like Harmony could probably do it if he wanted you think to. think so? Sure. Harmony had trouble standing up against autonomy. That's because, you know, he didn't want to do anything. Well, yeah, that's that's part of the problem. Sure. I mean, they, they say when, unless someone picks up the shard power, like it says that specifically, like, not only that they killed, but their power was splintered. Um, shat- yeah. Splintered. I thought it was shattered. Uh, no, yeah, it says Aona and Sky are both dead, and that which they held has been splintered. Ah, uh, okay. So uh, yeah, all right. I was thinking like if it's shattered, then maybe like there's just some you know magical ice pick, and he's driven it into the the shard power, and that's just scattered things everywhere. The subtle Splint- knife, just right in there. Hey, hello. That would be a crossover no one expected, <laughs> and no one wanted. Yeah, no, I'm not. <laughs> so yeah, maybe maybe race has a secret weapon uh but i do like it's like you, you you're saying i'm per- perpetuating my grudge against these two well yeah totally and then in the next one we'll get that doesn't make what i've said untrue it's yeah he, fuck these guys race continues to suck whether or not i have a grudge against him so but yes yeah, so uh some very interesting i agree with joe like some of the most interesting stuff here to me is is these epigraphs this letter or whatever that's being written here it's very much uh, it's interesting to us because we have the foreknowledge. If we mm-hmm. started with Stormlight, this would all mean nothing. Yep, one hundred percent. Which, hey, maybe that's part of the reason why we didn't start with Stormlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I figured. I'm on to you. Uh, but, yeah, uh, yeah. If we're comparing, if if Race and Bavadin are, are comparable, then we know Bavadin is uh, is trouble, although not you know invincible, or at least not unbeatable. I guess I should say. We don't know if Bavadin's killed any other shards before, so... That's true. It it, it sounds like Race, and uh, whatever his shard is, whether it's Odium, whether it's something else, it sounds uh, like Race has uh, killed at least two other shards. Unless unless he went down to Cell and just, like, heckled them into killing each other. I don't know. You know? <laughs> Maybe he's just, like, uh, he's got, like, the stand-up comedy <laughs> shard, and... He's uh... like, come on, do it. <laughs> do a flip! Do a flip! <laughs> He told me you look like a dork. He looks like a dork. <laughs> <laughs> hey, devotion told me that you're whack. Who said I'm whack? What? 
take you back. That's a, you think you're going to talk to Dominion that way? Uh, okay, so the actual story. <laughs> Kaladin is in the is hanging out in a wagon while all the guys in the bridge crew bring him rocks. And they're all pissed off because they had an easy job schedules and he traded for the most difficult, annoying job. Right, it's not difficult as in complex, but difficult as in like backbreaking manual labor of lifting rocks and carrying them around. And of course, as the boss, uh, Kaladin gets to supervise by being over here at the cart and getting the rocks <laughs> that people bring and stacking them up, which is probably not helping uh, him his popularity, quite honestly. Yeah. But while that's happening, he has Teft and Rock out here looking for what, what's it called? The uh, the the reeds. I just called him. Yeah, I just called him reeds. Oh, I've I've some reeds. Yep. He's got them hunting down these reeds that we know they have the uh, the sap or mucus or whatever it's called inside of them that is the antiseptic. That's why he's changed for the more difficult job, because he saw this plant growing out here and he's like, well, if I can't buy it, I'll make my own. And there he says that they're doing OK finding the reeds. Knobweed. That's what it's called. The knobweed. But uh, it really takes off when he has Syl start leading rock around to find more of them because she's she's quick. She can fly around invisibly and find all the stuff. Apparently they didn't tell Teft because he keeps being upset about how much more rock is finding than he is. And then here's Dunny again. You guys, your favorite Bridgman. Just, Oh God. <laughs> there's, there's not, there's not weed in the Dunny. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and also earless Jax, who I don't remember if we'd heard that name before, but it stands out for sure. Yeah. Does he not have ears? Like, <laughs> Like it'd be bad enough, yeah. Like, is, is is are his ears actually gone, or can he just not hear anyone, or what? But like, imagine if you had lost your ears to then be called earless jacks. Like, <laughs> he's like, my name is Jeffrey. It's not even Jack, you bastard. <laughs> maybe, so like, maybe, maybe. Nearly headless. Why are you nearly headless? <laughs> maybe it's to specify. There's actually another guy. On the crew, yeah. whose name is also Jax, but he's only got one ear, so they had to differentiate them. It's like, all right, that's one ear Jax, and that's earless Jax. It's like, what? Like, what is it with guys named Jax losing their ears? What happens if one ear Jax loses his other ear? What are we going to do then? It's a good question. You just call him Jack 1 and Jack 2. I was going to remember that. <laughs> yeah, which one are you? Are you 1 or 2? I'm 3. Damn it, we got <laughs> another one. Got another Jax? Does he have his ears? No. Fuck! <laughs> Ear, what would you call the guy that did have the ears if you were calling like if, if earless Jack Jax was just Jax and a guy who shows up and it's like, oh, now this is Jax, but he has ears. Is he eared Jax or do you change the old Jax's <laughs> yeah. name? Eared Jax. Eared Jax. Or eerie Jax. That kind of has a different connotation. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor earless Jax. I, 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 I want to picture that he's a guy with two ears and he can hear perfectly well. It's just like a, a weird nickname he got some other way. <laughs> He had a collection of ears, and they they were stolen. He just didn't listen to his mom. Like, what have you got? No ears. Yep, there you go. Yep. From childhood, he's been earless jacks. Now, 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 you got me thinking. It's like Gaz only has one eye. Are we gonna be able to see like one-eyed Gary or? No, he's just Gaz of the fuckwit. Yeah, yeah. That that's a good differentiation. As long as we don't get another stupid. I I would like this question to be raised to Brandon for Brandon's <laughs> word of the week or yeah. <laughs> If he could answer this question for us, I would be super happy as to why Elis Jackson is, in fact, Elis Jackson. I wonder if that's been answered. I'm going to search for it, and if it is, we're going to have it at the end of the episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Earless Jack's name is spelled too similarly to Alamancer Jack. Damn it. 
Oh no. <laughs> All the results are about Alamancer Jack. Oh well. Um, maybe he has no ears. He's he's swapped planets after he lost his ears. <laughs> oh, this is Alamancer Jack after um oh shit. What was what was his what was his Kiff's name? Oh, uh Handerwim. Handerwim. It's like Handerwim finally got sick of his shit. They parted ways, they had that whole thing about the royalties of the stories. Alamancer Jack fell on hard times, he hitched a ride to another planet, wound up in a bridge crew, lost his ears. It could happen. Stranger things have happened, probably, maybe. Um, fact, mate, maybe he's like, got, uh, they he's did? Actually, he's actually got both ears, but when he said he was an Alamancer, people couldn't understand what the hell he was talking about and thought he said, uh, Alamancer, earless? Sure, why not? Close enough. He's got an accent from Skate, yeah. really, you know, they're heavily accented. You just didn't know. <laughs> um, so, Kaladin is making, is, is like using the pretense of having to, I guess, repeatedly rearrange the rocks in the wagon, which once again, just is going to look to everyone else like him doing absolutely no real work and uh, everyone's going to be pissed off. But he uses these moments to like tie the reeds into bundles and then like tie them under the wagon because they've determined that it's not against the rules or anything to come out here and take these reeds. But if somebody knew that the Bridgman wanted them, they would find an excuse to say, no, you can't have them. So we're not even going to ask permission. And so he's like, the apothecary said you get one drop per stem. We're going to need a whole bunch of drops. So, all right. And and Kaladin says, if we get caught, then just tell them I'm a weaver and I'm going to use these to make myself a hat. Maybe I will do that. And Rock's just like, I miss the peaks. I also like that Syl, Syl likes Rock. He's respectful, unlike the others who mostly can't see her. So I don't know what she expects, but. I don't respect this thing that I have no idea exists. He's also too respectful. I led him to a patch of chul dung as a prank. He didn't even yell at me. He looked at it as if trying to figure out some hidden meaning. That's not normal. <laughs> well, now, now what we know about his story, maybe he's thinking, it's like, wait, has this thing, does it know what I did? <laughs> That's probably it. Is it, is it trying to tell me I'm being punished? Because, <laughs> I mean, I already knew I was being punished. That's why I'm a bridgeman. Cal keeps trying to strike up conversations with the other bridgemen as they bring rocks by, but they all just hate him for what it, for, for the crap he's pulled. We have one bridgeman named Scar, who Kaladin specifically points out he can't see any scars on the guy, but, uh, you know, or is it spelled yeah. differently? So You want to know how I got these scars? What scars? That's a good point. <laughs> and so uh, Kaladin, Kaladin and still have a discussion, and it basically ends up with Kaladin's like, we have to do something else. I have to show them that life isn't just about surviving, that life is in some way going to be worth living. Got to make them care again. And she's like, okay, but how can you do that? And he's like, I don't know, but I think we're going to need a lot more reads. So I don't know what, 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 what kind of plan is Kaladin going to come up with? Any, any, maybe it's a little early for predictions. Mm, he's going to have a party where they eat reeds. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I brought us food. It's terrible food. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. It's like he's trying to get these reads, which I get, you know, the guys will survive with the healing. But like he only got him and Rock to agree to like give food. So like yep. what, what how are they going to do that part? I feel like the one guy can still walk. There should be a way to like nudge him into walking up to the he, he's just like in shock. There should be a way to get him to go and get food and no one will realize he's one of the injured or whatever. Just weekend to Bernie's him up. Oh, he's yeah. mute. <laughs> Always been mute. This is this is mute. Jimmy, didn't you know? <laughs> Very we call, famous. We call him Talkative Jim. <laughs> That's what it is. All the nicknames are opposites. Yep. How mad would you be? Oh, maybe Elis Jack just has really big ears. That could be the thing. 
Uh, how bad would you be, like, say, if they're injured, don't get to eat, right? You can't do the bridge run. You can't have food. How yep. mad would you be if you just, like, cut your hand and you were perfectly fine in every other regard? And it's like, now you get to starve because you've got a sore hand. <laughs> they would suck. Like, not okay. They said they leave you behind if you can't walk. So I assume that the hand thing, like, you probably have to, like, wrap it up in something and just, like, carry the best you can. But as long as you can walk, I think you can make it back to... If you can't goes. walk back by yourself, so if you can walk back, if you're just like somewhat injured, then they'll still look after you. I don't know if they'll look after you. They won't leave you to die. Well, no, correct. <laughs> you get to figure yeah. the rest out yourself. Yeah. That's my assumption anyway. We haven't seen. I mean, everybody like I, I, Kaladin's gotten injured at least once a little bit on one of these bridge runs, right? So it, I don't think there's any medical attention going around. I feel like he got sliced by an arrow or something. Maybe I'm making that up. So. After all is said and done that night, they have to sneak into the place where the wagons are kept because all of the reeds are still tied to the bottom of that that wagon. And apparently it's not super safe to be a bridgeman just strolling around after dark with all of these uh, all of Sadius' soldiers drunkenly strutting about the place. But with three of them together and one of them being like a big brawny horn eater, it's like, okay, mostly they'll leave us alone. No one fucks with Ivan Drager. And Teft is just like, you know, I don't like this. I'm going back to camp. And Rock says, you will be staying. Like, you think I'm scared of a lumbering chull like you? I'll go if I want to. And then Kaladin's like, Teft, we need you. And that seems to have uh, an effect on Teft, this being needed. Mm. Yeah. And they get to the yard where the, the chull are sleeping and the, the wagons are hanging out. And the chull are valuable enough that they have this one boy watching over them, even though they're in the middle of the war camp. I don't know how you're going to steal a bunch of chull and sell them elsewhere. Like, somebody will notice you trying to leave the war camp with the chull, but whatever. But uh, there's actually a vicious rumor going around that someone's been using chul dung to um, <laughs> buy people's food, and it's less about protecting the chul from being stolen, but but people coming in to take the waste product. Yeah, no, it makes sense now. There's a weird black market on crab shit. Why is that? I don't know, but your dinner <laughs> tastes like garbage. Uh, yeah, my new cook, he's just not working out. Yeah, everything tastes the same. I don't get it. It's like gritty and I don't know. It's got a weird funk to it. And so they get the reeds, and Syl finds them some bottles, or uh, mostly not broken bottles. Or there's a bunch of broken bottles, and there's some not broken ones in them, or something like that. And uh, so, okay, we've got the reeds, we've got a place to put the, the juice that we squeeze out of them. Now it's time to go somewhere where we won't be noticed and milk them, I guess is what you would call it. Sure. And I like how they get out here, it's it's the middle of the night, so it's dark out here in this random spot. And Callan's like, you know, any spheres? And Tess's like, Why? For light, Teft. Oh, okay. I was going to spend these tonight, but whatever. Spend them after this, probably. Oh, no. Now Kaladin's touched them. They're going to be done within, like, five minutes. Maybe, yeah. And so he he squeezes the first reed, and he gets two drops out. He's like, hey, there's double what I was expecting already. Sweet. So knobweed sab, sap or knobweed milk is a very powerful antiseptic. Teft's like, anti-what now? It scares away rot, Spren. That's, that's what it does. It's like, why do you care about these guys? Well, they're my men. That's not what being bridge leader means. It means whatever we decide it means. And so uh, while they're just sitting here milking these reeds, Kellen's like, Rock, how did you even end up down here? Like, how did a horn eater leave his mountains and come down here and end up on a bridge crew? And that's where we get Rock's story. Turns out that his people, they have no shard blades. And the leaders among his people are like, if one of us gets a shard blade... We'll be so badass that we'll end up like king of the whole place. So every once in a while, one of these rich horn eaters comes down with his whole entourage and tons of stuff. And is like, hey, I'll put up all of these riches against your one of your shards in a duel. 
if I win, I get to keep the, the shard. And if you win, you get all the stuff. And this guy, uh, Rox Nuatoma, as it's called, uh, challenged Sadius, thinking that maybe a guy with just armor will be easier to beat than a guy with like armor and a blade. Which to me seems like a fair uh, a fair thought there. I would I would think that uh, that's where I would want to start too. We don't hear much about the fight except that uh, Rox Nuatoma lost, and so Sadius took possession of all of his stuff, including all of his people that he brought down with him. And it's it's a weird situation because Calvin's like, wait, so you're a slave? And he's like, no, we don't have slaves. I was his family, so he's this guy's family, but he's also in some way property that he can lose if he loses a duel, but not a slave. It's it's a very, I don't understand it. So this guy was his cousin who, who lost. And so Sadius is like, well, what do I do with all these freaking, these horn eaters? Like, like I, I just won a bunch of horn eaters in a bet. What am I going to do now? And I do like, Teft is like, man, be like the servant of your relative. I th- I'd rather die. I think I would. And Rock's like, that's eh, not so bad. You don't know my relatives. <laughs> that's That's a good bit. And Rock's like, what, you'd rather serve someone you don't know, like Sadius? Lowlanders, you have too much air here. Makes your mind sick. And Cal's like, what? How can you have too much air? This is this thing is difficult to explain. <laughs> he says, you can. Believe me, you can. You have too much air. Come to the peaks. You will see. And I like Kaladin's like, no, nah, really, you got lucky. Like, he wouldn't have given mm. you your guy, your guy the shard even if he'd won. Mm. And Teft is like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. Every time they say Horn Eater, by the way, I keep thinking of uh, the mean Ronsos in Final Fantasy Tender, like Hornless, Hornless. Yep. Like, I can see that. messed up. And they live, you know, up in the mountains, too. So it fits. Somebody ate Kimari's horn. It's messed up. And so they're like, what kind of servant were you? And he's like, oh, I was a cook. My new Otomo would not come down to the lowlands without his own cook. Your food here, it has so many spices, you cannot taste anything. Might as well be eating stones powdered with pepper. And we find out that horn eaters are called horn eaters because they eat the outsides of the things they catch, like the horns and the shells. And Rock's like, yeah, we have very strong teeth. You know, it tastes so good. But uh, he didn't he didn't become a bridgeman for putting horns or shells in Bright Lord Sadius's food. He's like, I, I enhanced the soup. He said, I was very angry about my cousin's death. And I figured you, you, you guys can't taste anything anyway with your tongues all scorched by the spicy stuff you eat. So yeah, he put chul dung into the soup. And also in the bread and uh, as a garnish on the pork steak. And he made a chutney out of it. Sheldong, it has many uses, I found. Oh, man, that's like he, this guy was like on Iron Chef. But the ingredient was Sheldong, basically. Sure. <laughs> Rock is a zinc saucier. It's fine. I'm 40 percent iron. Ooh, See, I would I would argue that by just putting chul dung in things, I wouldn't argue that that's a use for chul dung. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can do it, but you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah, it would need to taste good to be a use. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I like. He's like. Apparently, was... it's it has more ta- stronger ta- flavor than I thought. <laughs> oh, this got me so much. I thought it was so funny. Oh, rock! It's yeah. It's the best. And so, yeah, I understand why you're a bridgeman now. If if, if I was Sadius, I would probably. Although I do wonder, like, did, did Sadius ask, like, hey, what's in this? This tastes terrible. He's like, this tastes like shit. Oh, yeah, there's shit in there. Or if, uh, like, did the food just taste bad? So Rock got kicked out. Like, why would you admit what what you used in there? I doubt that Sadius knows the taste of Chaldung. Maybe. <laughs> there's someone in Sadius's stop who's like, this tastes familiar. I think I've had this before. <laughs> it's a delicacy back where yeah. I come from. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, it tastes like ocean water and shit. 
It's going to be Chilton. <laughs> and they're sitting here having a good time laughing at this crazy story. And Callan's like, this is what we need. This is what we've been missing. And Rock's like, Chilton, this is a thing you need. It's like, no, no, I'll, I'll show you. But first we need this knobweed sap. And then they ask Kaladin, like, yeah. why are you here? Sorry. You know, knobweed. And Kaladin doesn't want to say, but he's like, I mean, you you made rock share. It's only fair. And Kaladin, once again, what we know is he killed a guy. And this time we get a little more information. It wasn't murder. In fact, I was thanked for it by someone very important. Turns out that light eyes don't react very well when you turn down their gifts. And that is more or less where we end this chapter. So every little every detail we find out about what happened uh, to him to make him a slave just makes it weirder and uh, more curious. So the next thing that we get is an illustration of a giant crawfish monster attacking a city. Yeah. Powerpuff Girls. Sure. So Yeah. For what that's worth. And then chapter 24 is the gallery uh, of maps. We did not get that. Oh, you didn't? Nope. That's not in our book. Huh. All right. Hold on. Oh, oh. Share this image. I wonder if it ends up in a weird place in the Kindle version, because it, it does seem like a random location for this picture to be. But uh, here, I'll put it in the Facebook chat that we have going. It was in my version. Oh, you have a physical copy? No. Oh, let's say I think I sent you the same Kindle version that I have. So that would make sense that you, it's also in yours. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to have to look in, in one of my hard copies and find out if it's in that same place there. But not now. Now we push. Yeah, it, looks like a, it looks like a still from Metalocalypse. We just need Death Clock like, <laughs> playing some instruments in the background. I can see that. There, there was, back in the 60s, a Godzilla monster. It was basically just a giant prawn called yeah. Ibira. And uh, it just, just reminds me of that. He, like, Ibira probably fit right in on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> to me, this looks like, uh, what's that thing they fought in the other chapter? Chasm uh, Chasm Chasm yeah. Yeah. yeah, to me that's that feels like what that is, but maybe probably not. yeah. Ibira, Horror of the Deep. Yep, that was the uh, first Godzilla movie I ever saw as a kid. This cover is very busy. There's there's a Mothron here and a Godzilla, and I can barely see Ibira, but it does look kind of like that. Anyway, sorry. Back to the, back to the thing. We I already read the epigraph from this one. It's very short. It's like neither point makes the things I have written to you here untrue. So the Hoyd theory in theory is uh, he's got a grudge against these guys, but that doesn't make what I'm telling you incorrect. Yeah, you may call me an asshole, and you would be right, but that does not mean they are also not assholes. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so Dalinar is hanging out in the gallery of maps which has a big-ass map on the wall of, like, the known, uh, I almost said platforms, the known... Plateau? Uh, plateau, thank you. The known plateaus are on this big map with all the bridges labeled and all that stuff. And apparently the high princes, like, control certain plateaus, and you can't pass through another high prince's plateau on your way to, like, a, a raid or whatever without their permission. So having better and more plateaus gets you to the gem hearts faster. Which we also find out in this chapter, Sadius has been buying up some plateaus from the other High Princes. And then we have High Prince Royon, who we find out as things progress is like basically the, the least wealthy or powerful of the High Princes. And Dalinar is approaching him to be like, hey, why don't you work with me on a, a, a plateau raid? I mean, we kind of dance around the point at first talking about like, man, what's out in the center of the Shattered Plains? We've never made it that far. Who knows? We even get a little bit about like this one tower, or sorry, this one plateau called the tower, which they can never win a skirmish there because it's so close to the, the Parshendi side. They always get there first. But eventually it comes down to like, 
what if we work together? Maybe we could we could do better, win more gem hearts that way. And Royon's like, it's not about more troops. Like you can only put so many troops on a plateau. If I needed, to, if more troops would help, I would send more of my own troops. And Dalinar's like, yeah, but we have like specialties. Like each of us has an army that's better at this or that, this, that, or the other. He's like, you have awesome archers. I have like the best cavalry. I think he says, if we work together, we use our our strengths to help each other. Then we can win more stuff. And Royon is uh, he's worried about the rumors about Dalinar, or maybe not even worried. He's like he's kind of prodding at Dalinar to be like, yeah, but I've heard you know the stuff about you. Some are saying that it's time for you to abdicate in favor of your son. And Dalinar's like, well, they're wrong. They're wrong if they claim I no longer care. I care about this. I that's why I suggest we pursue an aggressive course from now on. And Dalinar, he, he kind of gets Dalinar to sweeten the pot a little bit. He's like, what happens if we capture like a shard blade? And Dalinar. He's like, well, I mean, yeah, whoever wins the shard blade gets it. He's like, well, yeah, but that would be you because you and your son already have shards. That makes it easier to win more. And so despite the promise that he's made to Renarin that Renarin would get the next shards he won, he sweetens the pot by being like, hey, okay, if we capture one, you get the first set and I get the second set. How about that? But it's still not quite enough to talk him into it. Royon's like, let me think about that. And by the end of the chapter, I think we get the impression that Dalinar, from what he says to Adolin, that he doesn't think that Royon's going to go for it. He thinks maybe it was a mistake to start with, like, the weakest of the high princes. He thinks, like, I'm out to maneuver him in some way to take advantage of him. So here comes Adolin. How'd the meeting go? And he's like, yeah, not, I'm I'm proving far worse at diplomacy than I once was at war making, Dalinar says. And I, I also like that... Uh, Aelin quotes something. He's like, uh, there hasn't been peace since the Tranquiline Halls. Man's life on Roshar is conflict. It's a quotation from The Arguments, which Dalinar says, <laughs> quoting scripture at me. You? So I, I like that their scripture is called The Arguments. That's, that's even an, an aggressive name for scripture. As now as foretold by, by our prophets, life sucks and won't get any better, so don't bother trying. <laughs> yeah. Peace is ridiculous. Don't even think that it's a possibility. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Uh, so, so speaketh Lord Ultron. Peace was never an option. <laughs> I mean, once everyone's dead, it'll be peaceful. Pretty sure that was Ultron's whole deal. Pretty much. And uh, Adolin's like, oh, well, you see, Malasha is rather religious. So earlier today I was, wait, 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 who's Malasha? Daughter of Bright Lord Sevex. What about that other girl, Janala? Yeah, things are rocky there. Malasha seems like a better prospect. So yeah, Adolin's dating life to the fore again. All I could think was, at least this time he's not giving his dad shit for not keeping up with it. That's true. It would have been hard to keep up with this at this point. Like, fuck yeah, hell, Adeline, too, Make a chart. He, <laughs> he's too busy being concerned at the fact that he, he really botched that one. So Yeah, that was all his fault. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so Adolin wants to talk about Sadius again. Sadius wants to come and investigate in their camp, which is his right as High Prince of Information. And he's like, he's going to find evidence like quote-unquote evidence, leaking us to this attempt on the king. And Dalinar's like, look, I trust Sadius. Even if I didn't, we can't forbid or block his investigation. That will make us look guilty. And uh, Dalinar's like, I've been told what to do. Trust Sadius. Be strong. Act with honor, and honor will aid you. That's the advice I've been given. Which you shouldn't say, because you know the next question is, well, who gave you that advice? And Dalinar is like, mm, this is awkward. And so from Adolin's perspective, Dalinar is now hanging the fate of their house on one of these visions and it's the last straw he kind of goes off on him he's like you have to accept like he, he's like look i want to talk to you about this and Dalinar's like not now this isn't the time or place i've tried five times when is the time or place 
Like you just keep saying this. And so he he just he's like, you need to understand you are not well. We have to stop tiptoeing around this. We have to stop letting you make increasingly irrational decisions based on this crap. And he's like, yeah, this is all crazy. You, you have to stop. I'll I'll let you I'll, I'll go to damnation itself before I let you drag the entire house down without speaking my mind about it. And Dalinar's just like, you think I haven't thought of all this? I've been over these same points a dozen times. And I was like, well, maybe you should go over them a few more because like this is serious shit. And Dalinar's like, I have to trust myself. Like if I can't trust my own brain, then what can I trust? I, I can't explain it. I can't prove it. But this is true. Balin's like, but that's exactly what you would feel if you were nuts. And eventually Dalinar's like, go, just just leave me. And Adolin leaves thinking it needed to be said, but that doesn't make me feel any less bad about having to be the one who said it. It's interesting. It's like, oh, so we've had chapter where Syl and Kaladin talk about what does it really mean to be insane? And now, huh, these guys are doing it too. Funny that. <laughs> it's true. It's, it, it's, it's going around this insanity thing. Sanity. It can affect everyone. <laughs> who wants to be sane anyway? Uh, chapter 25 takes place seven years ago and it's called the butcher which sounds very dramatic until we get to the end of the chapter and you find out what it means kaladin overhears some women in town talking shit about his dad and his family well ain't that about a bitch it ain't right what they do you ain't supposed to cut into folks peering into what's to see what the almighty placed hidden for a good reason which is could you sound more ignorant but whatever Hmm. Uh, how come you don't gotta get cut on to be a doctor Right to you. That's right to you. But uh, and not only that, but there uh, there's a rumor being spread, at least by these women, that those spheres that uh, Liren's Liren said that the old Bright Lord left for Kaladin's training. He's like, oh yeah, they stole those spheres. Surgeon says they were a gift, but he was the only one there when the City Lord died. And the lady's like, well, I mean, I hear there's a document. Yeah, not a proper will though. And who wrote the document? Huh? The surgeon himself. It ain't right. And then Cal very like obviously like walks out and kind of like gives them a look and makes them feel like shit about uh what they were just doing and then goes to talk to his mom it's like everybody hates dad and like she's like you're 13 you're old enough not to say foolish things like that wise up kid and i also he's like they say the father enjoys slicing people open and doing things that ain't natural she says aren't natural why can't i speak like everyone else like nana tarith talks like that and what do you think of her well she's ignorant and likes to gossip about things that she doesn't know anything about oh well then i see why you'd want to emulate her i can obviously find no objection to that practice oh i like his mom Burn. <laughs> <laughs> i think it's maybe the first time we've met his mom and uh, I, I i just like her she's uh she's yeah witty. yeah they give a big description of her so i would assume that yeah it's the first time i think so yeah and she's great she's awesome keep her yeah uh, and so they have a talk about, like, why the people in town treat them like they do and why they feel about his father like they do. And I don't think that we can get any actual answers. They're just kind of putting out theories. Like, I think it's this. I think it's that. Maybe it's a little bit both. But she she ends up like, they'll never actually hate your father. He's too useful. But he'll never really be one of them either. That's like, it's, it comes, it comes with being a surgeon. It's the price you have to pay. And he's like, but what if I don't want to pay that price? What if I want to be something normal, like a baker or a farmer? She's like, I think that you'll find that the lives of bakers and farmers are not so enviable. Well, at least they have friends. I mean, it makes perfect sense to me having a 13-year-old because to a 13-year-old, yeah, what everyone else thinks of him is 100% the most important thing in the universe. And uh, I like, she's like, well, you have friends. You have your brother. It's like, oh, it's not my friend. That's my brother. Can it be both? Yeah. 
And so, uh, let's see what else. Uh, she, she during this conversation, she's like on a ladder working at uh, getting like cleaning off. I think she's cleaning off creme from this building. Is that what she's doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's we like find out, ice creme. Yeah. The water will turn it into like rock. The high storms drop stormwater, and the stormwater carried creme. So like in the water, there's like material, like rock type material, and if you leave it alone, it hardens into stone. So her, her, what she does for work is go around and clean this crap off. And I guess she gets paid for it. And so he's talking to her while she's doing this. And he's like, they think that father stole those spheres. I hate their lies and gossip. I hate them for making things up about us. She's like, oh, don't hate them. They're good people. They're just repeating what they've heard and looks up at the city Lord's manor. Apparently he hasn't seen Laurel like at all, or just a couple times. Her nurse now sees over her time and her nurse does not approve of, Mingling with boys. Well, boys from the town, anyway. And Bright Lord Wistio's head steward, Miliv, had never liked Cal's father and was probably the source of the rumors. So that's nice. And while they're having this discussion, here comes... Well, I'm sorry. One more thing is they start talking about Laurel. And, uh, you know, she's she's noting that, you know, hey, you're of a pretty high non, pretty high ranking for Dark Eyes, and an accomplished young surgeon of the right rank could draw the attention of a poor noble family who wished money and acclaim. It happens in larger cities. He's like, so that's why you wanted me to play with her all so much. You wanted me to, to marry me off to her, didn't you? She's like, yeah, it was a possibility. So now we theorized about Laurel and how she might feel about Kaladin. Now we know that there was more forces at play than just her in trying to make this match. And Kaladin is still tormented by which of these choice paths does he choose? His dad wants him to be a surgeon, and he sees that that's like a good thing to be, that there's this is important to all that. But still, he kind of wants to do something else. And we also note that it's like if he'd married a light eyed woman, he would never be her equal. Their children could be either light eyed or dark eyed. So even his children might outrank him, which that would be awkward. That's confusing to me as well. It's like you married a light eyed Mm -hmm. woman and you marry into like you know, the nobility and your kids don't get to be a part of nobility, maybe. Right. Like yeah. not only you, you or your kids. It's weird. Deeply confusing. Yeah. This this rank determined by eye color is a, it's a weird one. And then here comes Cal's dad. He's here, Hasina, the new city lord. His name is Bright Lord Roshone. No time to change. Not if we want to catch his first speech, which his first speech turns out to, to be kind of a shitty one. So you probably could have missed it. It's fine. I hate this place and I hate all of you. Yep. He wasn't even going to say that much until like Liren kind of prods him. But yeah, they find a space. Bright Lord Rashon rolls into town in a big carriage pulled by four sleek black horses. He's got a, an entourage of a dozen wagons and some soldiers. All very impressive to this these small town folk. Could one man, even a light eyes, own that much furniture? Where would he put it all? And so uh, middle-aged guy, short, gray streaks in his beard. Kind of, you know, a little bit pudgy. He wears a uh, a ruffled violet coat and underneath that a golden takama, which is like a which is a skirt that goes down to his calves. Um, yeah, it sounds like uh, very Roman. Yeah, maybe I, I'm, I'm just picturing the violet ruffly coat over the golden skirt. And it just it's bizarre to me. <laughs> it's like so, somebody got into the player creation thing and just had too much fun character creation. But apparently back in the old days, the Takama was like a warrior's guard garb. So that's a warrior skirt. And so he kind of looks around at the crowd. You can spot like a, a woman and a, a boy. And so maybe wife and son, who knows, in the carriage. And then he just 
climbs back in and he's going to take off. When Cal's father's like, oh, bright Lord Rashone. The guy gets out like, who spoke? Was your trip pleasant? Can we please show you the town? What's your name? Liren, bright Lord Hearthstone Surgeon. Ah, uh, you're the one who let old Wistio die. In a way, it's your fault I'm in this pitiful, miserable quarter of the kingdom. And then he gets back in his carriage and drives off. So that's nice. Good, good, good guy, Rashone. So excited to have him as part of the town. Yeah, this is yep. going to be sweet. And here comes the guy who makes Kaladin's decision about whether to be a surgeon or not. <clears throat> I don't want to work with this asshole. Well, like Kaladin thinking, like, well, I mean, that was Kurt, but I guess we should expect a warrior to be Kurt, right? He wants this guy to be, like, a heroic, light-eyed warrior, like like the the Blackthorn and King Gavilar and Sadius. Right. Yeah. But, like, you know, he's he's already wrestling with, why does everyone hate my dad? And along comes this dude who fucking hates his dad. <laughs> because it's your fault that I'm out here. You yeah. weren't a good enough surgeon to save the guy. Well, maybe if you didn't suck so much, I wouldn't be such a dick. <laughs> Uh, the rest of the townspeople are just chattering and gossiping about the soldiers and the carriage and the horses. I don't it, it, you don't get the impression that they're upset by this, uh, the, the greeting that they received from their new bright lord. But and we get his mother trying to sound cheerful. Being like, What do you think? Did we throw the queen or the tower? We find out that in this game, the queen is two trios. The game of breakneck. The tower is three pairs. The tower is a loss, an outright loss. The queen is an outright win. And his dad says, we didn't throw either of those. And she goes, oh, well, what did we throw? I don't know. A pair in a trio, maybe? And a pair in the, a trio is called the butcher. Whether you win or not would depend on the other throws you made and, more importantly, on the throws of everyone else. So it's kind of a, a, a foreboding end to this chapter, even though we're, we're just talking about a game of – they say throw. I don't know if it's a dice game or what it is, but who knows? So could be good, could be bad. I guess we'll find out, maybe. And that's the end of our chapters. So, uh, yeah, predicaments. What do you guys what do you guys think based on what we've seen so far? What is going to come up next? And I, I before you before you get into that, I I just flipped to the next epigraph and you guys are going to enjoy that one, I think. So sorry. Go ahead. Sweet. Yeah, I, I really don't know with what we've read today. I don't feel like, you know, we had a flashback. I, I guess I would say that, like, Sadeus being the high prince of information could only go poorly. So for for Dalinar and, and Adelin, I don't think it'd go well for them. Whether or not Sadeus would double cross them in some way, like just him being in charge of this investigation, I feel like could only make the king more paranoid. Maybe not. I don't know. Then there's the bits with like his mom, the king's mom showing up, and like obviously there's some sordid history with with uh, the black Blackthorn and uh, and this lady that was his is is his sister-in-law. That doesn't sound good either. It sounds like she's pretty <laughs> conniving. So yeah, uh, I I don't know. It, I I think things are not gonna go well for for Adeline for Adeline and and uh, and his dad. I think things I are mean, gonna continue to to go poorly for them. You have been predicting for a while that Dalinar was going to be dead before the end of this book or something. So, yeah, yeah, I still feel like that's probably going to happen. So if he's dead, you know, I would say maybe they save that for the end of the book. And then the Kaladin stuff, we don't get a lot of current Kaladin to know kind of what's what could happen. But maybe things will start looking better. Probably not. Like, I feel like we may be in for kind of a slow crawl for Kaladin to get like 
things going in the right direction for him and and the rest of these bridgemen. Mm-hmm. Now, if for some reason Gavilar is successful, not Gavilar, it's Gavilar. The, uh, uh, is Gavilar Blackthorn? No, that's Dalinar. Gavilar was his brother. That's what I meant. Yeah. It, uh, if, if Dalinar is successful in like uniting some of these these uh, these peeps, these princes, high princes, and they're able to like work with Sadeus on the battlefield, then maybe Kaladin's going to get some exposure to them, and 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 uh, you know maybe if they see him in action and they're like, oh, this guy actually cares about his bridgeman. Maybe that'll be kind of an olive branch uh, for him to be noticed by, like, you know, some reasonably decent people. Mm. But uh, other than that, yeah, like, I, I don't have a lot of don't don't have a lot of ideas this week. Do you think Dalinar could be successful in trying to get some of these other guys to work with him? Because you're like, I don't think things are going to go well for him. And at the same time, you're like, well, if he could do it, then maybe. So I don't well, think- going well for him doesn't necessarily mean he's going to fail at that part. Okay, yeah, that's fair. And so even if he's able to unite them a little bit, I feel like the rug's going to get pulled out from under him at some point. You know, whether that be a, a double cross with Sadeus, and then Sadeus is all set up to have a unified army that he can use however he wants. That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I think I'm following you. That makes sense. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't have a huge amount to add really today either. I was thinking about Phil a little bit and like Rock sort of looking up to her so much. And uh, while there's like so many different types of spren, I was thinking maybe she was more like a piece of like the invested investiture, invested magic. Mm. rather than a specific spren like there are lots of spren but if maybe she's kind of like a bit of all the spren together i don't yeah i don't know because like she's wind spren but then even in this chapter they're like she's getting more not more human but more intelligent and she's evolving so i don't know whether that that's a thing and i was thinking that might be why rock is so aware of her and that she's so different. So if Rock was like, if if the Highlanders, I guess, um, were kind of following following that, maybe that she is like an actual piece of investment. So that's my that's my prediction for Sil. More than anything, I think that it's probably like nothing new. I think yes, we're still going to lose Dalinar at the end of the book, but I do think it's the end of the book. I don't think we're there yet. Um, I still want Bridge 4 to cross paths with Dalinar. Been talking about that for a few weeks, so that's not really a new one either. I think that maybe this new Bright Lord where Kaladin is is probably what's going to set him on the path to join the army. We know something happened to Tien, but I'm not sure what happened to the rest of his family, but it doesn't sound like this new Bright Lord is going to be particularly kind or forgiving or or happy yeah. uh, to make their lives nice. So um, maybe maybe even this Bright Lord's got something to do with whatever happens to Tien, which would be awful. Not saying he does something specifically, but is somehow involved. Not sure yet. But I think this is kind of going to be one of those turning points 
something's going to happen between those two characters or something will happen between Kaladin's father and this new Bright Lord, which will just cement his decision that he's not going to be a surgeon. Maybe he makes his dad's life really hard and it's like now he's kind of branded as being weird and unnatural in like normal, normal society. And then the Bright Lord comes in and makes his job near impossible. It's like, mm-hmm. well, and 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 the older, so the former Bright Lord wanted Kaladin to go and do studies or whatever, and I reckon that any of that funding or, or whatever will probably be pulled and he won't be able to do that. Something's going to happen that's going to force his hand to join in the army. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But that's my prediction. Okay. I, I mean, that seems really reasonable that, yeah, the, the new Bright Lord is clearly going to be setting – the, the whole past section on some new path. And we know that Kaladin ends up in the army somehow. So, yeah, I can see why you, maybe these two things are related. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not like a leap today. <laughs> There's so some rehashing of old predictions. And I think we're still at the point, I think, of pulling together information. There's a lot of books still to go. Yep. So, yeah. We are, how far are we? We are 40, no, I'm sorry. I, uh, that's a, not the right number. We are 37% of the way through this book. So we just passed the one third mark. Yeah. So, so much still to learn and, and fill in and see what we can figure out. Yes. It's exciting. So much left to come. I know Joe feels like things have, uh, are, are slowing down a little bit. He said, but, uh, yeah, well, it's a long book. We got time. It's just, you know, well, and yeah, we, we, we have to read it slowly because of what I'm forcing you guys to do. So, no, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, okay, those are, you know, l- l- like like you said, not, not huge leaps this week, but uh, really well thought out possibilities here. So I like it. Okay. We'll, we'll give you an, and Jack a minute to switch out dog duty or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming back. He's coming back. No worries. Uh, all right, I'm back. Welcome back. Man, this show was some great predictions Jamie just had. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to find out what they were. So if I double up on anything, sorry. Yeah, Jack um, just has the, all the exact same predictions. It'll be great. <laughs> so I've got two. One of them is fairly vague on details. Uh, that's just this fellow Teft. I don't know. I'm looking into the fact that he keeps he's saying like, oh, you know, you can't trust me. Don't get me involved in anything. But he actually still does want to help. And like when. Kaladin says, oh, we need your help. It gets him over the line. So I get the feeling he's very he's in a very similar position to Kaladin. What it, whatever it was he did, he got the people that he loved killed. Mm. Like he's, he's, he's directly the cause. And so he just he's just trying to isolate himself from people because he doesn't want to be the death of any more people that he cares about. And I don't think he's going to reveal that until he's on the verge of dying. So there it is. Teft also not making out of this book alive. Oh, OK. Yep. I mean, it was a big book. I think we're going to have a Tarantino-esque body count. I mean, it could happen, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're in a war with crab monsters. It's and, true. These uh, Bridgman die left and right. Yeah, least, yeah. So, you know. So, that's that one. The other one, this might be edging into volcano-ish territory, but I don't... I don't know. So, Dalinar's visions, they're always banging on about how, you know, trust the system, trust the system. And I've talked before, I think, you know, they're, they're not saying trust Sadius. That's how he's interpreting them. But uh, mm-hmm. I'm, start, I'm starting to think maybe more and more it's actually he's focusing too much on Sadius. And the problem for Dalinar is actually going to be Adolin because Sadius seems quite happy playing at war. And he's the only political moves he seems to make are in response to Dalinar's actions. So 
like, like it's it's only when someone from Dalinar's house does something that Sadius moves to block them effectively. Other than that, he's just like, a, I'm getting rich, my bridgemen are dying, and I'm profiting off it. Fucking good times had by all. <laughs> Except the bridgemen, but who cares? Oh well, yeah, um, who cares about them? Yeah, so I think that's gonna progress. I think like Ad- Adolin is just acting up more and more, and I think so. He, I think. Adolin is going to do something. I don't know what. I don't think it's going to be challenging Sadius to a duel. I think that's too easy. But Adolin is going to do something that is going to force Sadius to move openly against Dalinar. Like we saw like much earlier, like Dalinar's like, oh, you didn't just challenge my son to a duel and a public beating, like, did you? And and mm-hmm. Sadius is like, um, no, 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 I didn't. <laughs> and, 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 and he backed down. But I think there's going to come a point. Adolin's going to do something. Sadius is going to be forced to, well, maybe not forced, but he'll he'll feel compelled, like for the sake of my king, for Elikar, like I will have to. So, like, sorry, Dalinar, like I'm going to have to fight you guys, and I'm going to have to move openly against you. And Sadius is going to win that conflict. I think Dalinar will die in the process, and mm. like, and then their their house effectively is ruined. Uh, Adolin will learn nothing from it. He will blame Sad- Sadius the whole time, even as things blow up in his face and he gets, you know, kicked down the political pecking order till he's no more than a dark eyes, or like, you know, only, only one step above a dark eyes. He'll blame Sadius the whole time, and then it's and then he's not going to have it spelled out that things are wrong. But until like eventually, Renarin or Wit uh, will be the one telling him, "So actually, this is all your fucking fault, dude. You <laughs> fucked this up." Not not your dad, not Sadius, you. That would be an unpleasant thing to have to come to terms with if you were Adolin. Yeah. So I like yeah. that's very dramatic. I like it. Except yeah, for the, just, the part where Dalinar has to die. I like Dalinar. Oh, yeah, Dalinar's great. I love Dalinar. But just, you know, with this conversation they've had this week, like, Adolin's made it quite clear, you are ignoring your sons. And like, and he's right. His sons are Dalinar's blind spot. That's where the things that aren't expected are going to come from. And so, yeah, his son is going to do something that's going to royally fuck things up. And Dalinar is just not paying attention to that and um, misses it until after it's too late. Mm. Yeah, OK. I, yeah, OK. I, I, I can see this. I, it'll it, it'll be interesting to see where Renarin would play into that, which like I, like in your thing, it's like, you know, at, at the end, he's like, no, you're the one. And so then, yeah, are they are we turning brother against brother at that point? But that's that would be like that I don't know where Renarin's going to go in all this because, like, you know, he he's played up as like society thinks he's weak, but Dalinar and Wit think there's a lot more to him. So I think he's going to have to have that moment. Maybe he's the one who, if if anyone make, can make any attempt at saving the house, it's him. Mm. Yeah, whether or not Adelin Adelin resents him for that or agrees to go along with it, who fucking knows? <laughs> right. Yeah, I honestly don't know where Adelin's character is going to go in this story. I don't know if he's going to like if. One, I feel like one thing we haven't really seen Brandon do a lot of is like your character who starts out as a hero and then as the story goes on, it turns out, oh, you're actually the villain. Mm. So maybe this book is Adolin doing falling down, but who knows? I'm trying to think of where we've seen that. I get, I guess, Denth in a way, except Denth was always the bad guy. You just didn't know about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like that's not him starting as the hero and turning out and then like yeah. as things progress, becoming the bad guy. Like he was a bad guy from the word go. We've talked about maybe I Kelsier say, falls into that category. I was about to eventually. say, yeah, Kelsier. Kelsier's Kelsey, yeah. probably the closest, but like, I don't know if we've ever actually seen him be... We've seen him do nasty things, but they were ultimately... like He was an anti-hero. He was like the Punisher. Yeah. Like, uh, he, like he never actually became the full-blown villain of the piece. 
Marsh literally got turned into a bad guy, but it was not his fault. Yeah, that's true. That's probably that the, wasn't that's like probably, a character growth thing. That, yeah, that's that's probably the closest we've come in terms of a hero becoming a villain. But even that, like, yeah, you're right. That's that's not the same thing at all because he was forced into it. Yeah. He had like his free will was literally taken away from him. Unless you count a minor character like Jastes, or <laughs> that was never a hero. No, just just like King Iodon was never a hero. He just turned out to be even more horrible than you thought. Yeah. Yeah, that was the guy's like, we opened thinking he was shit, and it turns out he was even more shit. <laughs> he was super shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah see, I'm, trying, I'm trying to think, is there anybody else? Like, Siri and Vivenna's dad, also pretty shitty right up front, and just, we also, didn't really we see never, him again. We, but, we never saw him again. Yeah. I mean, I still stand by, like, aside from, you know, yeah. word of Brandon, we don't know if the city survived. Yeah, he's dead now. Yeah, it's a yeah, whack. It happened. It was, it was pretty whack. Uh, yeah. Oh, Warbreaker. You had so much potential. If we don't need to dive back into Warbreaker. Anyway. Yeah, that's moving on. I guess Bayon started out as the hero and then turned on her and then didn't turn on her again. Yeah, he he was was like secret. Yeah, he was a spy guy. He was a secret bad guy. He was a a, bad guy. Was he a double agent or a triple agent? How's that work? Well, Uh, he, he was a double agent, but in a weird way, because he's like. Yeah, I now fulfilled the mission that I was a double agent for, so now I'm going to fulfill the thing that you hired me for also, just because it doesn't conflict. Yeah. So I feel like he was a double agent who, at the same time, like had a specific honor code that was uh, individual to him that, like, you know, I'm going to fulfill these things that I was hired to do, but I'm also going to do the things that I want to do. Yeah. Miles 100 Lives was supposedly a good guy. We never really saw that. But we didn't see it. Good. Eh. Yeah, it, it sounds like he was more of a vigilante justice type dude. Yeah, so I, I think you're right. We're we're due for one of our heroes does a heel turn at some point uh, through like legitimate character development and not through like mind controlled by an evil god. Yeah, falling okay. down. Let's go. I'm gonna. I guess he was he was also an asshole from the word go, but <laughs> I'm gonna. That's that. That's a good prediction. I want to see that come coming to pass, just because it it takes good writing to make to believably take someone that we like and turn them into someone that we hate. Yeah, yeah. And have it make sense. I mean, anybody can do it, but to make it believable, uh, it has to be good. Yeah. All right. Oh, that's great. I love that. Let's move on to for next time. We're gonna do two chapters, twenty six and twenty seven, because they're pretty long chapters. And uh, that will put us just almost, almost to the end of part two of this book. Chapter 28 is the last chapter of part two. So 26 and 27 for next time. And then we're going to finish up part two and move into our interludes for the one after that. So let me, let me throw that in the chat before I forget. Uh, You know what? I'm flipping through, putting my bookmarks in. And that picture you've put in is at the end of chapter 26 here. Ah, Okay. With the the giant monster. That actually, uh, if I remember what happens in, in those chapters, I think that makes way more sense. Okay. Maybe it's just in a weird place in my Kindle version. So now we have we have some emails. We have a couple new patrons, and we got a new review. We had patrons in review last time, but Joe wasn't here, so we skipped over those. So let's let's run back and do those patrons first. Get your get your fairing list ready, Joe. Oh, okay. Fairings. Let's see. Did you ever dance with a fairing in the pale moonlight? Or no? Absolutely. I'm ready. Okay, the first one is uh, our, our new misting level backer, Isaiah. Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah, you can store determination. Pinnacle. Mm. 
I always like the name of that one. Just mm-hmm. you sound really awesome when you're a pinnacle. Uh, and the next one is Garbage Pig. Garbage Pig. You can store senses. Wind Whisper. <laughs> you can store all those pig senses. Yeah. Sniff around in the garbage. Look at the mushrooms. <laughs> and then one of uh, our, our new review, so Misting Time. Switch, sure. Change gears. One of my favorite favorite usernames that I've seen in these reviews. This is Sifu Hotman. <laughs> uh, classic. Yeah. Classic Last Airbender stuff. I love it. The title of the review is Wasing with the Review. And then it's five stars. These guys are super fun. Lighthearted, quick-witted, with wit in capitalized letters there. Uh, it's been great listening to the stories that I love unfold in a more careful, deliberate way, giving me insights into Brandon's writing, which I've never considered. Keep up the good work. Data, Joe, Jamie, and Dak. Much love from Utah. Hope to see you guys next week at the con, which we didn't make it to the con this year. I'm hoping for next year. Next year is going to be crazy with the new Stormlight book. Oh, yeah. I was considering putting aside, you know, some some of the Patreon money just to make sure that I can afford to go. We'll see uh, if some more uses for that come up. But so, yes, uh, going to try. I've even, well, I'll get into that. So trying for next year, I hope. But uh, thank you, Sifu Hotman, for your review. Sifu Hotman, you're a leecher. Flamio. Flamio, Toph. Flamio. Okay, so now let's do a couple of emails. And we've got at least one with a new five-star Spotify screenshot in here. So keep your, keep your misting list handy. This one is from Aish. It says, caught up. Hello, everyone. I had emailed you a little while ago, and now I'm officially caught up. I read a little ahead in Way of Kings. Listening to you read my email was fun, but I wanted to say my name is pronounced. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Aish. I-S-H. So Aish. I am not at all offended at being called a newbie. I'm excited to be part of the Brandon Sanderson fandom and experiencing it all for the first time along with you guys. Okay, I have two questions. Number one, how did you all meet? I know Data and Joe are brothers, but how did you guys meet Dak and Jamie? I think I remember something about you guys said about meeting online i also think you guys have not all met in person so i'll take the i'll take the first part of that is that dak and i met on the red versus blue forums yeah in was was it the comic book movies comic book movies uh, yeah okay on that on that forum in like 2005 yeah we were both interested in comic book movies and we both watched i guess red versus blue at the time have not watched that in forever and so yeah. yeah Hanging out on online forums, meeting people, played a bunch of Halo together, had had good times back in the day when uh, that, w- that would have been like my college days. Yeah. Yeah. Mid 2000s. Uh, wow. What a time. And so I met Dak in person just once, at least once. It was, no, it was once 2013. We like we both went to Poets Place. Yeah, we both went to Poets Place in Colorado and hung out for uh, for a few days. So, yep. but uh, I don't know how Dak and Jamie met. If you want to tell amazing stories about that. Well. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Dak and I met at Dak's stepbrother married my friend from university. And so we met at their wedding coming up on 10. No, it was already been 10 years ago, 10 and a half years ago. Yep. Wow. And we did not continue to go out after that. Not for like a trying, mind you. Not for lack of trying. Dak was very enthusiastic <laughs> and I was a little terrified. And then a year later, we had a friend's 30th birthday party and Dak was dressed as Marty McFly. And how could I say no to that? 
and here we are. Was, yeah, like, <laughs> sure. We, we hadn't we hadn't spoken in like ten months, and I'm just like, well, I'll probably yeah. never see her again, and then randomly bumped into her at a mutual friends party. Yeah, that's hilarious. So, I love that. Turns out we were we were destined destined to be together. And then U- U- universe is just like a fucking hell. Get on with it. <laughs> get on. Yeah, nice. Yeah, uh, and I've never met Dak or Joe. Uh, no, not Dak. Oh my god, <laughs> you have met Dak at Dak. some point. Yep. I live with Dak. Yeah. I see him every day. <laughs> yeah. You'll meet. Uh, you'll meet Data soon. Yeah, in February. Yeah, next year. Yeah, That's fun. exciting. Oh, I'm excited. It's gonna be a lot of fun. That answered that question. Number two. I'm a big library person. My first job was at the library when I was 14. I borrow books from the library all the time and take my three-year-old every week to get 10 books for him. I don't buy a ton of books unless I really love them. have now been buying Sanderson books. So in the chapter where Shalon meets Yasna, I found the Palanium in Shalon's father's library of 80 books fascinating. It didn't seem like much to her, but it, I feel like it's a lot. So my question is, what kind of books do you guys have in your home library and how many? I know, Data, you love your Kindle. So, Yeah. Who who wants to go first with what's your home library look like? Oh shit! Um, uh, disorganized. I right have. Now. A, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's good. I have a, quite a few digital books, but I do have a lot of physical copies. Right now, I basically have like two two floor to ceiling bookshelves. Probably, I would say about I don't know forty to fifty books on each shelf. So I probably have about a hundred books. Nice. So you're you're pretty close to Shalon's father and his library, except I assume that uh, yours are less nonfiction. As I recall, you got yeah. a lot of uh, like uh, manga on there. I do have a lot of manga. I've stopped buying physical manga because there's you can get like a, a four dollar subscription a month to Shonen Jump and just read it all online now. So um, I still buy one series on physical media just because I like to have the book. But yeah, for the most part, I don't. I don't buy physical copies of manga anymore. But yeah, I do actually have quite a few nonfiction books. Uh, most of them are textbooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I, I liked a lot of my textbooks in college, so I still have some of them. Nice. I think I have one of my textbooks from college left on my shelf. It's statistics for people who think they hate statistics. Sure. Great and we know you love statistics. So. <laughs> Dak, Jamie, I assume you guys share some bookshelves. So what does that look like? Yet disorganized. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to get things more organized, but that's not easy, especially when I have a stupid habit of buying more and then I'm like oh, I've got to rearrange things, everything again. <laughs> but yeah, now we've got quite a few shelves, and uh, a lot of them full yeah. of like comics. Sure, comics. I was gonna say like 95% of our shelf is Dax books uh, and uh, comics. I'm not gonna go. No, no, I'll, I'll say closer to two thirds. I don't think 95. Interesting. I don't think I have that many books. <laughs> no, but I. But I, we're also developing a pretty crazy library for our daughter. So nice. she's got a bookshelf in the playroom, a bookshelf in the lounge room, and a big bookshelf in her bedroom. So wow, she nice. will um she will be a big reader. Yeah, try to do that with with my kids too. Lots of books, mm-hmm. way yeah. more books for them than for me, and they love reading. They're always like read, read, read. So uh, I want to encourage that. Mm-hmm. Let me see what I have. What, what does my library look like? Once upon a time, I had a bunch of books that uh, I collected from various times and places in my life. But after several moves, most of those are now gone with only a few holdovers. Now, I I do read mostly on my Kindle. I save buying physical copies for, like, if something is – if I really love something, I'll buy a physical copy. If, uh, like, I've got a collection of the Leatherbounds by Brandon or – 
signed first editions of other stuff. So I save it for like special special editions or special cases. Like I have most of the Dresden files. I have signed first edition hardcovers. The first six weren't actually first. The first edition of the first six is actually paperback. So it's harder to get hardcovers of those because they weren't originally printed in hardcover. What else? I've got some random other like special edition, like Subterranean Press does some really nice special editions. I got like a Ready Player One from them that they did a beautiful special edition with uh, illustrations of some random stuff from Kickstarter and then a bunch of comics also. Some Dresden Files comics, some Brandon comics, the whole run of Girl Genius, which is my favorite web comic. I've got all of uh, those in physical copies. So it's a bunch of random stuff, but I don't do nonfiction very much. I think I've got like two, maybe just one autobiography. I've got Felicia Day's autobiography that somebody gave me, which is a pretty good book. I may have J. Michael Straczynski's Becoming Superman here somewhere, too. And then I looked over at my shelf and saw that I have Tobin's Spirit Guide from Ghostbusters. So, you know, random weirdness. But I love books. Just I, I recognized that I can't buy as many as I would want. So I, I limit myself specifically to special cases. So I think we've all answered that one. Thank you, Aish. Aish also sent... Oh, I'm sorry. No, there, there's... Uh, also sent his five-star review on Spotify and put the screenshot on here. Lastly, they say, I love it when Dak calls people dickheads. I'm not sure if it's the accent, but it's always on point. Wasing to the time of next, Colo, P.S. Fasher, Crabs Ahoy. So nice. They did send us a five star review on Spotify. So oh, yeah. Five star review. Okay, Aish. Uh, you know what, Aish? I, uh, I see you as a. Uh, oh, shoot. I had it written down, actually, because I, I walked away from my list. A seeker. That's what it was. Yeah. Same power as Marsh. Seeker. Nice. We've got a few more emails, but I think I'm going to read just one more for today and then we will wrap. This one is from Richard. And the title is White Sand. The Thick Book? Yes, exactly. Richard the Thick Book. <laughs> hey! Uh, Richard says, since I'm almost caught up to the end of Mistborn, I was looking for the White Sand Omnibus. Every site with the Omnibus said it would release April 2024, so I was confused that you guys already read it. Luckily, I found a site to just read it online. I'm still going to buy it when I can. I did find it a bit weird. A, 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 I did find it a weird read. A lot of dialogue that doesn't connect, like when Chris found out the Beggar King was Gevin, she said, because you called me Chris, I went back and never found that piece of dialogue. Plus, Brandon mentioned at the Defiant launch party he will be rewriting his prose version of White Sand, so can't wait for that. Uh, P.S. There's a new Miracle of Sound song that would be a perfect fit for one of the Secret Project books, which, uh, greetings from Richard from the Netherlands. So I was just going to address the various things uh, once we got to the end. I'll start with the P.S., I had the exact same thought about that song and that book. So you were not alone. We did the Kickstarter or it was actually an Indiegogo campaign for the white sand omnibus. So we probably got it before it was publicly available. Although I didn't think it would be April, 2024 before it became publicly available. They should put it up a bunch of them. I mean, I, I haven't been keeping track of when anybody can buy it because we got ours, but uh, it has we, been we available a while for ours too. Yeah, we did. It has been available for a while in PDF from uh, or f- online formats from the company uh, Dynamite, who made the comic. So you can go to their website and buy it there, even if it's the card copy is not available. Uh, I'm pretty sure that we did touch on in our episodes that we did see that bit where Gavin calls her Chris. So uh, if I remember correctly, that's definitely in there. You may have just missed it. I think that answers all those pieces. 
Oh, except for the there is the prose version of White Sand coming out, which, yes, I was honestly slightly disturbed when he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do this, a prose version of White Sand, which I'm like, well, now what's going to be canon? The whole reason I even went through all the trouble of getting us this graphic novel, which was a hassle, was because this was the only way to read the canon version of this book and uh, or of this story, I guess I should say. And now he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and write the prose version. I'm like, well, how different is that going to be? Are we going to have to go back and read that? Uh so, yes, I am I'm a little miffed with Brandon that he's decided to release an official prose version of the book after the our, our show did the uh, the comic version. But when it comes out, I will read it, obviously, because how could I not and um, decide from there if we actually need to go back and read it again, depending on how different it is. I I think it would have to be pretty significantly different for me to want us to do it on the show again. Uh He's going to pull a George Lucas and just like when Bayon tries to stop Chris getting killed, just does the no. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he's just going to add a bunch of uh, CG like creatures in the background of all of the, in, throughout the <laughs> whole book. There's a giant lizard that a guy's riding on for why? Uh, no real reason. Um, but yeah, so he's, I think he's going to re- replace something with walkie talkies and I couldn't think of anything funny to replace. <laughs> I think the most likely thing that would happen is if is that there will be some differences and maybe we will do an episode where after I've read it, I go over the differences and we talk about the changes that were made so that you guys would be up to date on the the most canon information. But I don't think that we would go through the whole book unless like Mm. it, it was seriously different. But that's just my thought as of now. Who knows by the time it comes out. But thank you, Richard, from the Netherlands for your email and Aish. If anyone wants to send us an email, the address is thesandralanch at gmail.com. Like I said, we still have a couple in there that I'm going to get to next time probably. So if you sent yours and haven't heard it yet, that's probably why. Also, we're at least an episode ahead at this point. So it may be that we recorded this before you sent yours if you sent an email. So remember, everyone who's following along, for next time, we're doing two chapters, 26 and 27, to bring us real close to the end of part two of five parts in this book. You can find us on Instagram. And Patreon, where by the time this comes out, I should be done uploading my read of The Sunlit Man and probably started in on uploading episodes of my read of Defiant, the the, the fourth book and final book in the Skyward books. So you can find us there. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, all the places on the Internet where things are happening. We're we're there. We're in uh, hidden in a corner, trying not to be too conspicuous. So two chapters for next time. Music by Miracle of Sound. And wasn't to the time of next. Colo? P.S. Fashion. Crab at thee. <laughs> <laughs>